Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Woven. Um, Today we are in episode 18, which is the middle of our stewardship series. So we just wrapped up our two episodes with Will Harris from White Oak Pastures. And now we're moving into the stewardship of consumer goods, clothing, and just other things that we buy. Mm -hmm. And so today we have a guest. Um, Her name is Stephanie Giddens. I pronounced that correct, right? Yes. Okay, because I know you as Stephanie Patterson, so it's so weird to call you something else. Um, anyway, so that the reason why I say that is because Stephanie and I went to Texas A&M together, and um, we were in the same sorority at A&M, a Christian sorority called Sigma Phi Lambda. So that's how I know Stephanie. We've kind of you know lost touch like everybody does after college, but thanks to good old Facebook, we can kind of keep up with each other, and that's how I knew that she was um, a good interview for this because mm-hmm. she um, has a company called Vickery Trading Company, which does um, sustainable clothing, and so we're going to let her give a little bit of background about herself. So, Stephanie, let us know about yourself. Yeah, Um, And I have been married to Brad for almost 11 years. We have three kiddos, ages nine, six, and four. Um, And so that keeps me pretty busy. (coughs) Brad and I met at Dallas Seminary um, a while back. And when I first, um, I I went to seminary thinking, I'm going to write Bible studies for women. And when I first graduated, or as I was graduating, I um, helped a friend of mine, Kat Armstrong, and she and I together launched Polish, which was lunchtime, or is still a lunchtime ministry for young professional women, and to kind of integrate work and faith. And um, through some projects, there and um, felt the Lord leading me toward the social justice realm of ministry. And um, that kind of led to this journey of lots of research and learning about social business, empowering impoverished people groups, realizing how marginalized women are around the world, much more so in other countries than in America, um, even though we are still marginalized in ways here. And um, five years ago, we had planned to move to Rwanda. To um, Brad got a job with a um, an American firm over there, and we were going to learn the business environment, learn the culture, and then after a couple of years, start our own social business endeavor um, to employ women and empower them to help provide for their families. And um, 24 hours before we shipped our container, the job fell through. And and, um, (laughs) that was incredibly hard in all ways, financially, spiritually, mentally, everything. Um, And after the dust settled from that, um, which took a couple of years, I mean, it was the you know, good two-year process um, of the dust settling from that, and we had our third kiddo. And um, I realized that okay, I'm not in Africa, but I still really want to do this thing. I'm still super passionate about helping those who can't necessarily help themselves, and and um, so that was kind of the beginning of Victory Trading Company. Um, and then Vickery Trading Company, specifically, what we do is we, um, we're we here in Dallas, and we hire refugee women here and um, equip them for long-term success through vocational training, personal development, and fair wages. And we produce mostly um, little girls' dresses, but we're kind of branching out into other areas as well. And um, so really, I get to use this company as a way to love on refugee women who live here and um, maybe have a very low level of education or English, and they're just struggling to make life work here in the United States. So we get to use business as a way to help empower them. That's awesome. Um, so as you know, your guests are in stewardship series and we want to talk about the importance of our consumption of apparel and consumer goods. And just hearing you talk about empowering refugee women, it reminds me how disconnected we are from the fact that somebody made my shirt I'm wearing right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just even thinking about the conditions that they're in. And can you talk a little bit about 
like we're in this world where like you buy a tomato at the store, you don't even know where that tomato came from. And you're not even thinking that like five hands touched it before you got it. And Mm -hmm. the same with our clothes and all of it. Like we don't consider the humanity level of it. And I guess my question is, um, why do you feel like that's an important thing for us to be aware of? Like as Christians, yeah. So first of all, I think there's two big things. One is I had no idea how long it takes to make clothing yeah. until I got into this business. And um, because I didn't, you know, little known secret, I didn't sew before I started. <laughs> <laughs> I learned to sew in the process because I was like, oh, I probably need some street cred with these women because I needed to be able to help the ladies and do quality control. Because really, at the end of the day, the sewing is a means to an end for these women, yeah. for us. So I'm digressing. Um, so really, I never realized how long it takes to make a garment. And once I realized how much work went into it, I was like, whoa, somebody's working really hard at making my clothes, even though they can make it like 18 times faster than me because I'm not a good seamstress. Um, That kind of started this just deeper respect for the work that went into. So when I go into a store and a shirt is $2, I'm like, yeah, there's no way that that's $2. There's no way that a human was paid fairly if I'm paying so little for an item. Um, and then there was just this reality of people are made in the image of God. Every person is, and they deserve the same amount of respect and fair treatment that we expect for people to give to us. And so when someone has to work in unhealthy working conditions or is paid unfairly for their work, losing a piece of that God ordained dignity that was given to them innately at birth when they were created. And when we, when we purchase goods that are produced in that way, you know, in a way that people are treated unfairly, we're giving our stamp of approval on those practices. And that's one of the big convictions I've had in this journey is my money speaks. and or my you know my spending or lack of spending of the goods that the lord has entrusted me with it speaks volumes to what what i think about how people are treated and so that's kind of you know where the heart process behind where i'm at with this ethical fashion journey wow that's so good and i mean i think like yeah, we just don't think about that. You know, we're, we're so incredibly disconnected. And when you were talking about sewing, I mean, I think about my grandma was like that proverbial stay at home mom who sewed her clothes for her four kids and like all of this and how just completely, I, I couldn't tell you, I can barely put a button on something. And like, so it's, it's not only are we disconnected and I feel like that's similar to like people don't cook anymore. And there, it's all kind of like the same, you know, same issue mm-hmm. of we're just not, we don't understand how to like, care for ourselves so we're outsourcing that but then we don't think about the repercussions of all of that you know what I mean so I don't know I'm just my brain's going a million different directions with everything you just said but like (laughs) yeah I just we're not treating people as people and we're not thinking about it from the we don't think so we think I'm gonna go get a shirt we don't think I need a shirt I need someone to make a shirt for me I'm going to go purchase a shirt from a person like that whole process is just gone. It's yeah. not even there. Um, and maybe yeah. that's part of the problem. Um, and which I guess is consumerism. Yeah, really. It's, it's the thought of like, we have no concept that we don't even know what we need anymore. Like it used to be yeah. like you went shopping for what you needed and now you're trying to need what you find. You know, it's like you go on these little like, oh, maybe I need that today. And it's like, we don't even think about yeah. like, I just go back to like, Laura Ingalls Wilder, pioneer. Do you need a new dress? Okay, mom's going to make you a dress. We don't do that. You know, we're like, you need an orange shirt and a coral shirt and a pink shirt. And like, it's just so much like, and I feel so personally overwhelmed by it. Yeah. Well, but I mean, we're not going to go back to Little House on the Prairie. So right. like part of this is, is how do we live in a new age? Mm-hmm. And I, and, and I think, I think it was on your blog. Cause I was like playing around on your website, um, Stephanie, and there you had a blog post about it was was it compassionate consumerism was that the title of the post capitalism Com- compassionate capitalism compassionate capitalism yes one of those words yeah one of those things <laughs> okay so so for me is we're not we're not going to go backwards mm-hmm. um, we're not going to go back to where we're all making our own clothes uh-huh. most likely 
We're not going to be living on a farm. Like we're mm-hmm. like, we're not going to go down and pick out our fabric from the general store and then pay the seamstress to make it for us. Like that's just not the mm-hmm. world we live in anymore. So the question is, how can we be more compassionate in the way we consume goods? And so I guess maybe you can speak to that because you, um, you wrote that blog post. You may not remember that blog post. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I do. Um, most of my blog posts are actually what's going on in my mind and heart at the time. Yeah. Um, and I think I just want to a place where I'm like, if I'm going to, again, it's back to that our, our money speaks. And if I'm going to be spending money, I want to be making sure that it's actually doing something and doing something good for someone. You know, if I'm going to buy a shirt, I want to know, know that the person making that shirt was taken care of in the process. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, let's be honest, I'm an upper middle class white American. I don't need another shirt. You know, and so if I'm, you know, if I do happen to need something or if I am purchasing something, I need to be, you know, making sure that it's making an impact and actually helping someone else. Yeah. And I think like that's so counter to what our culture is doing now. I mean, we think about just the game and Rebecca, you can probably speak to this a little about, cause you, I never worked in retail, but you yeah. and Chris both did like just it's, it is a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like the 52 seasons a year, every week I get like 20 emails and it's like 70% off clearance by now. And then I get into this mental space where I'm like, I have to buy this shirt right now. or I'm never going to get it. And it's just, it totally feeds into our own yeah. like, temptation oh it's definitely and it's a retail game and i mean you know the retail companies are doing what they're being paid to do you know they're they're being paid to sell their clothes and so they you know and and they they're being paid to um make you think you need that and so as as a christian we had to figure, and just as a human being, not not just as a Christian, we have to figure out how to fight the game, um, so that we continually remember that we don't need. Like, I don't. I'm sorry, my kids don't need new sheets for every season. They don't need yeah. Christmas <laughs> sheets. They don't need <laughs> Halloween sheets. They don't. You know, like my guest bed doesn't need Christmas pillows and Easter pillows. And not that there's anything. If somebody's on here and is listening as a decorator and they like to do those things, that's great. But like, I shouldn't feel like this need that I need to do that. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I, to be a good mom, I don't have to like have all of those things. And, but consumerism tells us that we do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess I'm curious about your own journey, Stephanie, cause you, I mean, because like you said, you weren't always aware of this and the whole thing about making clothing and how much goes into it. Can you talk a little about your journey from just being like a typical consumer to now being more mindful? Yeah. Um, so I remember um, one of actually um, one of our mutual friends, Rebecca from college, my good friend Becky. Yeah. Um, I was talking to her one day, and she was like, um, "A friend of mine, friend of mine, and I down here in Houston are going to try ethical fashion for a year." And I was just kind of getting started with the group training, and I was like, "Okay, I think I'm going to try it." I was like, "I probably need to if I'm going to run an ethical clothing company. I probably <laughs> need to be practicing that." Um, And, you know, I learned the first and by far the hardest step in my personal journey with being a conscious consumer was dealing with myself. When I took a good hard look at my spending habits, I realized that there was a lot of vanity and pride in my spending behaviors Um, and all of my spending habits. And when I say habits, um, I sometimes spent more money on labels. I haven't... um, I haven't been, I'm not personally a super big, you know, brand name label person. Um, but I sometimes did for myself, but especially for my kids, because I care about what my kids look like, especially when they go to church and what brand shoes are they wearing, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And for me, I was more of a bargain shopper who, you know, I would come home and I was so proud of how little I had spent on something. Mm-hmm. And um, y'all, I rocked the Gap Silver card. I worked that <laughs> system. I mean, we were I never paid for clothes for my kids because I had all the points from, you know, Brad's business clothes, all of that. And, um, 
So, <laughs> so I, I will tell you, side note, the day I got the letter that Gap had downgraded my Gap Silver card <laughs> and I lost my benefits for that because I just broke up with Gap, like cold turkey. Uh-huh, and yeah. when I started this year, a, a little further down the road, I broke up with them. And I was so <laughs> excited to get to get the letter, the downgrade letter from them. And I told Brad, I'm like, I think I'm the only person ever in the history of anything that has been excited to be downgraded <laughs> on Gap points. But I was like, I have made progress in my ethical fashion journey. <laughs> um, but so I was just a sucker for a deal. But so not only was I not considering the person who made my stuff, but I was realizing I was buying so much that I didn't need. I mean, I would shop out of boredom or sport. And I realized I cared so much about what others would think about me or about my kids. And that came, you know, a big part of, you know, how I shop now is secondhand. And that was a huge pride hurdle for me. I'm like, Oh, I have to buy secondhand now. You know, I wanted, I liked the pride of going into a store and buying a, you know, whatever brand name thing, brand new. And there was really a lot of vanity and pride wrapped up in that. And that was a really, really hard pill for me to swallow. It took about a year just to get over myself Mm -hmm. in order to move into purchasing more consciously. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're throwing around a lot of terms because we know what you're talking about. (laughs) We we know what you mean by ethical fashion. We know what you mean about sustainable clothing, that kind of stuff. We may need, not all of our listeners are, some of our listeners may be popping in and they may just be thinking, huh, I don't know what this is, but I'm curious. So maybe we want to define some of these terms. So when you you just said that you um, were talking with Becky and you guys were, they were talking about the journey of um, doing a year of ethical fashion. What do you mean by ethical fashion? Yeah. So I think there's kind of two camps in ethical fashion. One is the humanitarian side and one is the more eco-friendly, ecological side. Um, So the eco side is more organic cotton are they using pesticides and produce like how the fabric is actually produced yes um and then the humanitarian side is what are the work conditions and labor conditions wage rates all of that for the humans who are making the clothing Mm -hmm. um and so i felt it's you know and that's where you get fair trade certification all of that it's really hard um to be a purist. Um, it's really hard to be a purist and it's overwhelming. Um, you know, and for Vickery trading, for example, um, our, our fabric is not organic. It is pretty, you know, I've researched the source and, you know, it is made under ethical conditions, but we're not purists on the eco front. Yes. Um, just because it would be very cost prohibitive to do that. Um, and it would, well, I wouldn't be able to sell dresses and therefore we wouldn't be able to do our mission. So, yeah, you know, things like that. So we camp out on the human side yeah. of that. So really that's what ethical fashion is. It's just being aware of being a conscious consumer is being aware of how, you know, in fashion specifically or, you know, whatever industry you're talking about, how things are produced, who's producing them, in what conditions, how are they being paid you know, and the ecological front too, when a lot of these fabrics, you know, the reason organic is a big deal. Um, it's not just about the cotton plant. It's about, there's a farmer that's out in that field spraying pesticide that eventually can harm them. You yes. know? Yeah. And so that it, it bleeds over into yeah. the side as well. Yeah. And there's a great documentary, um, The True Cost. Have you seen yes. it? Yes. It's yes. So you'll good. never you'll never want to shop again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm ruining Bangladesh. Um, but <laughs> it's really good. We'll link to that in the show notes because I, I was like complete I didn't really understand the deal about organic cotton. Um yeah. and so that that really opened my eyes to that. That's a good resource we'll we'll link to. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, so one of the things, so we had um, a farmer on and we, our episode just came out um, this week that we're recording with you. And we have another episode coming out next week. He's a farmer here in Georgia, White Oak Pastures, and they do grass-fed beef and, and regenerative farming. And that's why we had him on. And, um, and he was um, talking about all the labels that were used and the organic labels and the grass-fed labels and all of those things and how it's so hard to trust the labels. And uh-huh. so you kind of actually need to know the farmer to like really be able to trust it. So my question for you is, as I see when I shop ethical fashion, mm-hmm. you see the fair trade symbol, like, is that, do you trust that symbol? Um, gosh, that's a hard question. You know, honestly, I haven't, um, so Vicar Trading is not fair trade, okay. and I have because it's a really hard certification to achieve. That's actually say, good. <laughs> I mean, not that you I, don't have it, but that it's hard to get. That means because it because it's not hard to get organic. Yeah. So no, no, not at all. Um, or I mean, it's not as hard for yes. sure. Um, I think it's a good guide. I mean, I generally trust it. Um, you know, really, the thing I've learned a good rule of thumb is if a company's not talking about their practices yes then generally they're they're not doing it you know like and they'll have there's some kind of smoke and mirrors marketing campaigns out there that you'll see every now and then but generally because my husband is actually we've had trouble finding um business clothes that are ethically Mm -hmm. produced for him you know it's easy for me to go hop on thread up and buy secondhand clothing for me you know because i have a little more casual work atmosphere but for him he wears business suits so that's been harder for us to track down um ethical you know suits business shirts shoes stuff like that for him that are appropriate for business and um, what we found is generally if they're talking about their wage practices if they're talking about their production and you've got some transparency in that yeah generally it's not a hard and fast rule but generally that's a good rule of thumb if they're not talking about it you can pretty much be guaranteed that they're just it, it's kind of the normal traditional yeah production methods in just for the cheapest bidder over it you know overseas that kind of thing and so do you think i mean country of origin then probably is not a good guide either um it's a good red flag yeah i mean there are some countries you know and everybody china gets a bad rap um especially right now politically um but um there are there are ethical manufacturers in China. You know, I know a couple of companies over there that do um, sure ethically and treat their, you know, employees well, pay them fairly. Um, but generally, you know, your, your countries such as Bangladesh, um, generally China, um, Thailand, Vietnam, you know, there, I mean, there are definitely some red flags. If you're seeing something that's produced in Europe, um, or the United States, things mm-hmm. like that. If it's a country that like catches your eye that you don't normally see, mm-hmm. then it, it's probably more likely that they have ethical practices because there's probably a program there, you yeah. know, designed to help the people. Yeah. You know, and somewhere like the United States, the more developed countries like the United States, they've got labor laws. You know, that's not a, it's not an open and shut guarantee that people are being treated well, mm-hmm. but we do have minimum wage standards here and we have the ability to form labor unions and things yeah. like that. And yeah. so that, I mean, that's a good protector when you see made in the USA. Um, but you know, like I can't put made in the USA on my degree trading stuff because the fabric is not. Really? Yeah. For, if you see made in the USA, that means from ground to product, oh, wow. everything is grown, created. Every single piece is made in the USA. So I can say made in the U.S. with imported fabric, yes. but legally I can't say made in the U.S. Oh, wow. That's actually good to know to have that distinction because mm-hmm. because I just I would assume when I saw something made in the U.S.A., that means it was actually only physically put together in the U.S.A. I yeah. didn't know it had to be from ground up, so that's actually good to know. That's and that's good. different from our food system. Yeah, because our food, because we were talking with Will, that, um, one of the things he brought up was that um, it, it can say that it's um, that it's 
produced in the United States. Or yeah, something but it like can that. be from a different country and shipped over and processed here, like whether it's meat or whatever, and it can still say USA, but it's not. So that's interesting. That which he's at, they're actually he's on it. He's a part of a lobbying group that's trying to change that. So but it's good to know that when it says it on the clothes, that actually means everything's made in the USA. So that's yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, so have you, so on your journey of, and this is just a personal question for me because this is what really interests me. Um, on your personal journey of deciding um, to do victory training and, and ethical fashion and that kind of stuff, did you ever go to a country and see any unethical practices? It, or have you been involved in any of that? That in actually going overseas and sourcing. Yes. Uh, no, I wish I would have, but um, let's be honest, I have three three children. children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a husband who travels a lot. So yeah. in, in this season, you know, we are getting to a season in our company. I'm trying to um some embellishments for our garments and things like that, like embroidery that is just I refuse to pay less than a fair wage here in the United States, or I refuse to pay less than a fair wage anywhere. Um, but it would just be completely cost prohibitive to add hand embroidery, you know, to certain garments here. So I'm looking into, um, stuff like that overseas, uh, like in Mexico and stuff like that. And so, um, and programs they have down there. So I will get into that where I can actually get on the ground and see some stuff. Yeah. But no, not yet. I have had, I think I have one, our, all of our fabric currently comes from one, um, fabric, um, producer and or fabric company that's based in Florida and I think their president probably thinks I'm the most annoying person <laughs> in the world because I'll call him up and I'm like where's your stuff from what does the factory look like how much do they pay him are the kids working in the factory is it well lit is it clean and he's like oh my gosh here's my li- certifications Stephanie calm down <laughs> so, so and he has been so I'm right now I'm trusting him and you know and it's made in a country that is known to have good labor practices um so now unfortunately I haven't um but that is pretty um once you're kind of deep in the fashion industry it is pretty standard to go and check on eventually you get to a point where you go and check on you know, well, not, I, I don't mean just your where you're actually sourcing from, but like, for instance, um, my cousin, um, they happened to be over in Vietnam on vacation and she mm-hmm. was just curious. So she went to one of Everlane's um, um, factories. And then she also just as being a part of Vietnam, like being there, she saw other factories and other uh-huh. situations. And one of the stories she gave was, you know, she saw a bunch of adults and, and family, whole families on um, the little motorbikes. That's how they get around. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and like whole family would be on a motorbike and none of the children would have helmets, but all the adults would have helmets. And so she actually asked one of her tour guides and they were, they said that the, um, the government, um, in favor of the, these factories that are treating their workers poorly, they told, um, the parents these lies about how the children's brains would not be able to grow if they wore helmets to keep them from wearing helmets. Like it's all connected to the way they treat um, the people in the factories and the way they treat the government treats them and all of that. And that like was very eye opening to her and is what has caused her to move more towards purchasing ethical fashion just by being Mm -hmm. in the country of Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't know if you had in any of your travels, because you have been overseas, had seen anything that kind of triggered in you this, this more of this desire if it's just because of starting victory trading um you know i have been to india which um, is also a red flag country in most cases um and generally everywhere i went was <laughs> with substandard um so i mean i definitely i definitely have seen that but it wasn't specifically in factories um really the thing is I mean, it's so unfortunate because these countries, the governments, I mean, we want to blame it on the foreign governments. They're not protecting their people. But a lot of these countries, like Vietnam, I mean, they're post-war. They're trying their hardest to read the only way, the only thing they know to do to get money into their countries to bring Western dollars in and to secure that. And I'm not saying that they're doing it the right way, but the reality is if they would, they could triple what they're paying workers in most cases and it would affect us i think like maybe 50 cents on the cost of a garment on this end Mm -hmm. so that's the thing that frustrates me so much is 
um, yeah, it just wouldn't take that. It, it wouldn't impact it. I would be fine if it did impact us greatly, but it wouldn't impact us greatly as consumers on the American end. If they would just demand, you know, that people were paid fairly, but you know, they're not doing that. And we continue to buy things as yeah. cheap as possible. So again, our money speaks. And so and I they, think they aren't forced to change. Yeah. I think that runs full circle into back where we kind yeah. of, where we started about, and, you know, um, Will on our last, um, episode um, quoted Wendell Berry about how the consumer votes um, with their dollar. And that's not the exact Mm -hmm. quote, but that's pretty much the idea. And I think that, I think that's us sitting here, you know, as upper middle class white women um, who have families and, you know, those kind of things. And we're making a lot of the purchasing decisions for our family. Like, it gets overwhelming and we feel like, Oh, I need to like throw away all my kids clothes and I need to, and we need to like only have five outfits. And I, then we start stressing out about it. So I, I feel like there are little steps that we can take without like, freaking out about it like no, you, can, you can get real like you can get start doing a lot of research and can then I like just freaking tell you out. my actual trajectory with this yes like probably six months ago when I started being aware of these things I was like I have to throw away all my clothes and I yep. got on yep. Etsy three nights in a row like searching and I was like I'm just gonna have to wear linen tunics from Croatia <laughs> like I'm just gonna be the person and I was like this is what's happening guys and I was like my kids are gonna have three pairs of shorts I'm just gonna do laundry every day and I was like freaking out um and because that's what I tend to do um but yeah so I personally am trying to come to a place where I'm like how can I make this work right yeah. and you've mentioned secondhand a few times mm-hmm. um that you shop that way so Let's talk about that. Like, what does this really look like? Yeah, so I absolutely agree. I was in the same spot. I think <laughs> at first you want to like, and I even had an intern this summer because I made my interns all watch True Cost. Yeah. And one came in the next day. She's like, my parents aren't listening. We've got to change everything. And I'm like, it's okay. Take a deep breath because at the yeah. end of the day, throwing away everything you currently own is also against the right. principle of, you know, like... <laughs> Like keep what you have for as long as it will last and repair it and keep it in good condition. Take care of it because it will help you to consume less. Um, I think, um, well, what, first of all, one of the biggest challenges for me at first was not expecting others to live according to my new convictions Uh and not become judgmental when they didn't have those convictions. Um, because ethical fashion, it is, it is coming into its own in five or 10 years. We're going to see a vastly different landscape as far as fashion. Um, I've been in it for two and a half years now, and I've already seen huge changes. We're going to see it change a lot, but right now, most people don't care. Um, there are some cities that are a little more kind of the fashion hubs are a little more aware of it, but, um, places like Dallas, I'm not so sure about Atlanta. Um, but I mean, they don't, they don't give a flying rip about (laughs) ethical fashion in most places. Um, and so I couldn't expect other people to, to, jump on board with me. Um, but I just started small. Like when I needed to buy a new purse, I bought Apple. Um, and then I moved to shoes and I challenged myself to buy, okay, this year I'm only going to buy two new pairs of shoes. They're going to be ethically made and they're going to be neutral so that they'll go with more. And I don't need 10 pairs of shoes, you know, or whatever. Um, and I still actually, I'm wearing the sandals today that I've had for like three years. They're, they're some of the best shoes I've ever bought because they were well made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And then, um, then I moved after shoes, I moved to jewelry and all of my jewelry is now ethical. And then, um, then I moved to clothes, you know, and kind of transitioned the whole family, which by the way, this process has taken about three years. It wasn't, it wasn't something that happened overnight for us. Um, and so as far as secondhand, um, for me, um, one of the, you know, one of the major principles of ethical fashion is not to consume more from a company with substandard production practices. So we're not increasing demand. So buying secondhand is a way to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not, um, 
I'm not increasing demand for that good from those companies because someone has already purchased it and then it's kind of off the radar as far as company sales and stuff. Um, So I buy, um, for me, um, I shop secondhand. Most of my stuff is, a lot of my clothes are from Thread Up. That's Uh T-H-R-E-D-U-P. It's a great website. Um. And that's really where I buy most of my kids' clothes too. There and oh, resale shop. They did kids' clothes. Yeah, that's good to know. That's actually. good to know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing I like about them is they um, they're transparent about, or no, they're really transparent about new with tags, new without tags, excellent condition, good condition, used condition, and they'll tell you this has a stain on the right front pocket that mm-hmm. can probably be removed by washing. I mean, they'll tell you exactly why it's getting that yeah. ranking. So I can go in and say, I only want, you know, new without tags or, you know, in the box or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I end up, I'm able to get really good condition clothing, but just not buy it originally in the store. <laughs> I think that's a good point because I think a lot of times it's real easy for us to say those of us in the top 1% of the world's population to be like, okay, I'm going to start shopping ethically sourced fashion, which is typically more expensive. And as a side note, as a side note, it's because it's usually better quality and it will last longer. So we have to jump that for those of us that can afford it. We need to jump that hurdle in saying, okay, I'm going to buy this dress at maybe $30 more than the one I buy at J crew or whatever, but it's probably going to last longer. Um, and so I'm going to be able to wear it for longer as long as I pick something that is, you know, not too trendy. I'll be able to, I'll be able to wear, you know, something more neutral, something more like that has longevity, but it's going to last longer, like you said about your shoes. So I think that's a side note, but also I think this idea of, um, shopping secondhand, if you don't have a lot of money, that is something that you can do that still is ethically, um, sustainable because then you're putting, you're just making less clothes out into the marketplace by doing that. Well, and that gets into the eco part too, because those clothes aren't then going to landfills or being paid to be shipped to these third world countries that actually make them, you know, and then it becomes this weird cycle where they're getting back the stuff that we don't want anymore. And like, you know, that whole thing. Um, (laughs) but also I know for me, like, Um, And I know we're getting better with like the options for ethical fashion, but a lot of them are very minimalist and that is not how I dress. I mean, please look at my shop today. It's like ridiculous, but like, um, so for me, secondhand is really the best way because I can still get things I like that are like unique and cute. But then for my basics, I can go if I need new things to more of the minimalist, like newer things. So I think there is a balance because I think at first I was like, oh my gosh, I just have to wear like, you know, gray t-shirts and I look terrible in gray. What am I going to do? And it was like this George Costanza, like, like rant, but it's like, no, I can buy secondhand. And that way I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm reusing something and that feels good that it's not going in a landfill and I'm wearing it. Yeah. 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 Cause organic is usually code for oatmeal. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can we just, who looks good in that color? Unless you're like African-American with that beautiful dark skin, like everybody else looks terrible. Well, Rebecca Pete's really tan, so she could probably yeah. wear oatmeal. I wear oatmeal. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a, I, I am oatmeal colored. So. <laughs> uh, but no, I actually, my, um, since I started purchasing secondhand, my, um, fashion has actually taken a couple steps up because I buy, you know, like nicer stuff that I wouldn't buy before. But I think to your point of spending money, if you buy, if you're buying new ethical fashion, it is more expensive. Um, and so my husband and I went through this, um, you know, especially like I said, with his business clothes, because you have to be careful. You're not going to, consume the same amount you're not going to purchase when you're buying ethically because that's just being you know a good steward because it's like oh all of a sudden okay i'm gonna buy 10 shirts in a season and now i'm gonna buy those 10 shirts ethically and you're spending three times as much well i'm at the end of the day i'm not sure that that's the point i'm not sure that that's how why the lord gives us extra money you know we could be stewards of that money I'm just proposing that maybe we buy five shirts, you know, and spend the same amount of money or maybe even three and have some money left over to give (laughs) and invest into other things. Because at the end of the day, 
we still ethical or not as Americans, we still have a consumption problem. Yeah, absolutely. No matter where coming from or how it's produced. Yeah. And so I, that leads in and we'll, we'll probably wrap up with this, but that leads into, okay. So the sense that I get a lot of times is that the Christian community as a whole, the church as a whole, I'm talking about, um, mm-hmm. at, looks at this issue as in other areas of social justice, that this is a worldly thing. This is like, if we, if we are, um, if we pay attention to this stuff and we care about this stuff, then we're, you know, mm-hmm. we're following the world's trajectory. We're liberal, you know, like, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But like, mm-hmm. so from your viewpoint, why should Christians care about this? Because I believe they should, but I want to know why you think so. Um, yes. Um, I actually, there is actually some research, um, out there and gosh, I should not be being recorded saying this. There's some, because I don't remember exactly where it is. Um, I'll try to check That's it down. What show notes are yeah, that is what show notes are for. We do this <laughs> yes. all the time. I'm always like this Bible verse, I'll put it in the show notes. Cause I can't remember where it came from. It's totally exactly okay. <laughs> for show notes. Cause there is some research out there about how, uh, it was as the industrial revolution came around, um, and the church got involved in this consumerism thing. Um, the church moved, uh, there was a political alignment there that moved the evangelical church away from social justice issues, which is where we are now. There's a big separation, but there, it was actually more of a political thing that happened in history that we're not so aware of because we just live in the middle of it. I'll have to find the, the Well, there was an article in the, in the Atlantic that qu- he quoted. He quoted this research as well, and I will try. I have the article. We'll make sure it's the same. I'll, we'll make sure it's the same. Um, stuff. I think it's the Wait, same research. Okay, keep going. Yeah, it's fascinating that um, that we, we tend to approach life thinking that our current view of theology and scripture is the correct, and we don't realize how much culture impacts our theology oh, yeah. and our practice. Um, so there's that. And then... The original question was just sometimes I feel like as a Christian community, a Christian evangelical community, we we struggle with okay. wanting to care about this stuff because we think it's worldly or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So I um I think it's an inconsistent theology um to not care. Um I'm really I'm I'm really big on um if the theology isn't true for Everyone, everywhere, at all times, and I'm not sure it's the best theology. Um, if I'm going to insist that I get paid fairly for the work that I do, um, I can't then turn around and say, "But I'm going to buy the clothes from someone who are made, you know, or from someone who that worker got paid unfairly, you know, just to meet my demands because they are a person made in the image of God that he loves and values. We should care about how they are treated. And it's inconsistent for us to, um, to fight against human trafficking um, and issues like that, you know, because there's a big religious evangelical movement against human trafficking. The fact of the matter is, a lot of these people who are making our clothes are in that situation. Yeah. And we're wearing the clothes made by the people who have been trafficked. Yeah. And that is a harsh reality, um, but it's very inconsistent, you know, to say that we care when at the end of the day, a lot of times I care more. I look like than how someone is being treated. Um, and I think that that is not the gospel mm-hmm. and that is not God's heart for the people that he created and he loved. Um, and I think we should care because I, I mean, I've said it a couple times already. I really don't think this is how God intended us to use our money. I really don't think that, and I struggle with this personally, and it is a constant battle of what can what can we downsize? What can we not do so that I can help more? I don't think that 
God gave Brad a good job. Um, and I say Brad a good job. I'm currently not getting paid, so I can say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but neither are we, for the record. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I don't think that Brad got a good job so that we could buy a bigger house and a bigger house and more furniture and better furniture. I'm like, there's so many hurting people and places in this world that we could have an impact in. Mm -hmm. And that's, I know uh, that sounds very socialist and, you know, liberal and all of those things. But I just, that that's not spending on ourselves and keeping it all for ourselves is not the picture of what we see in scripture. Yeah. Um, is you know we see people um, caring for others and caring for the hurt, the hungry, lost, broken, orphans, widows, aliens, um, and our spending habits as Christians in America do not necessarily reflect that. Um, I completely agree. Yeah. We in the first episode in the series when we kind of just like introduce this idea of stewardship, um, I talked about a book that I just read called God and Money, and it is written by two Harvard Business School students. Which my husband went to Harvard Business School, so that was kind of how it got on our radar. But um, and that is the conclusion they came. I mean, they're obviously very intelligent business people doing major work in finance and all of those areas. But it, they came to the, you know, they're Christians and they came to the conclusion that what they were doing with their money wasn't fitting in with what they see in scripture. And, um, and I think that that, that is a good way for us to kind of like end this um, is that we need to, it, it, that's the baseline, whatever you think about ethical fashion or any of that stuff, God cares about how we spend our money that I think we just said in the first episode, there's like 2,300 verses on stewardship. There's only like 500 on faith and prayer, which is still a lot on faith and prayer and faith and prayer is important, but he obviously really cares about how we spend the gifts that he's given us. And I think that is, um, you know, really where we need to go to our own hearts and say, God has given me this. What am I doing with it? And what does he want me to do with it? And so I Mm -hmm. think that, you know, is, is kind of our heartbeat behind the whole series. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I love it. I love that it's even on girls' radar and there's someone out there talking about it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, you mentioned thread up for kids. This is just a personal question, but my kids are so hard on clothes and go through so many clothes and you have three of them and I have two. Like, what do you, how do you, like, what's your strategy for your kids' clothes? Um, I get some thread up. I also found, um, you know, cause I do boys, especially they're so hard on clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, found a resale shop, like a kid's resale shop. I don't know what y'all have there. We have once upon a child here. We have um, that too. Yeah. But I, I found a good one that I, that's reliable because there, <laughs> there comes a point, um, especially with boys where, you know, they don't want anything but Under Armour. And I'm like, okay, well that's against my, you know, <laughs> they don't produce their clothing. Basically if it's a big major brand in the world, they're, they're probably not producing yeah. in an ethical fashion. I'm yeah. like, okay, so we're not, I'm not going to purchase that new besides the fact that it's really expensive and you're going to tear it up. Um, so I'm like, Okay, and so I just go every season to this retail shop, and I stock up for my kids. It is a little harder with girls' clothes, um, but I also run a girls' clothing company that's ethical fashion. <laughs> so you you get clothing for your children, yes, through through that source. Yeah. Yeah, they also awesome. they also wear school uniforms. So, so do we. Yeah, well, we have uniforms. a little bit during yeah. school. Um, so I do get relieved from a little bit of, yeah. you know. Okay, so that's a great question. So I, so is your school uniforms because they're in a private school and they provide the, are you, 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 there's a certain uniform you have to buy. So you just buy that uniform. Is that what, so in my situation, we go to public school, but we have to wear uniforms for public school. And mm-hmm. so this is the situation I come in is my kids are going to school five days a week you know, however many weeks a year is in a, in a school year. And they, and, and it's, it's just standard attire. So you buy mm-hmm. khaki shorts, khaki pants mm-hmm. and polos. So, you know, there's all the standard places like old Navy and gap and all that. And you buy that stuff. And so I, and this doesn't have to be answered here, but just thinking about like, where can I, and I think that the answer is secondhand because there may not be a clothing company out there making sustainable, ethical children's uniforms, but I can buy them polo shirts and khakis at a um, shop like that. And, you know, or, or we can be switching. And well, a lot of what we do is we move it between friends in the neighborhood because everybody in our neighborhood goes to the same um, neighborhood school who uses the same uniform. So just, there's lots of creative ways you can do this without, um, 
without having to like find a company that makes ethical fashion for school uniforms, which may not even exist. But that is a, that is a idea. Don't think it's not on my radar. And I have a board member. He's like, will you just make a dress my kid can wear to school? <laughs> and so it's on our radar. Um, at the end of the day, we do still have to make sure that it's, well, uh, that it's affordable for parents and yeah. that it's profitable for us. Yeah, you got to pay um, your workers. Yeah. And so it's yeah. on our radar. But um, but yeah, I think you got, yeah, we have a close, we have a specific uniform. My kids are in private school here, uh, at least for this season. And um, we have a very specific uniform we have to wear. And so I don't really have a choice there. But we also have like a uniform closet at school that's yeah. pretty expensive that I can get, you know, because ha- we have their plaid skirt that they have to wear. And so you, I think I've purchased two skirts in the five years we've been at the school. Yeah, it's just moving and clothes around between friends. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, and so maybe, I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, maybe that's an approach that like my kids are only three and a half. So they, you know, I don't have, but maybe I could approach it from the idea of like have a uniform way you dress most of the week and then just have fun pieces. Kind of like we do for ourselves. Like maybe that's a way I could approach my kids clothes. Cause right now I don't do that. I'm just like, I buy outfits and I don't, yeah. you know, so I don't know, maybe that's an idea for someone who's in my boat. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Stephanie, is there anything else you want to share? I mean, we, we've, I think we've covered everything, but is there anything you want to close out with? I don't think so. Um, except I'm just excited to see the impact in, that y'all have through this and the response that you get, you know, for people who are, this is a totally new subject. Um, I would highly, highly, highly recommend um, that everyone go and watch um, The True Cost. You can yes. rent it for like three ninety nine on Amazon, I think. Um, but yeah, that'll I'll change it. <laughs> yes, and we'll link to that in the show notes. We will link to Vickery Trading Company uh, in the show notes so they can see um, all about um, your company and, and some of the thread up and some of these others that we've talked yeah. about. We'll link to that so that people don't have to go Google it because, you know, that's so hard. So we'll like just... Re- and we'll, we'll just talk re- about that in our media episode. Yes. yes. <laughs> but we'll, yeah. um, we'll provide all of the... And we'll, and, and that article that I, we talked about that I think is the same research you were talking about, we'll link to that if that's the same thing. Um, and so that everybody can have all of this at their fingertips. Yep. Yeah. For sure. And there is a, I did um, put a discount code. Sorry, I'm getting an echo. I did put a discount code. I'll email it to y'all, but it's woven15. Awesome. Um, any of your listeners can go on and get a 15% discount on a purchase. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes as well. For yes. sure. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think that's all we have. Anything yes. else? Okay. No, thank you so much. Thank all you. Right. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.